God, you are our only hope. Everything that we have, everything that that we think we own, every future that we plan for, Lord, is found in you. Lord, you are faithful in all of our trials, in all of our issues, in all of our struggles, in all of our pain. And Lord, we trust that we have a hope that that isn't dependent on anything but you. Lord, true hope, true confidence that you are going to take it and you've got it. So Lord, as we study your word today, let us leave here with renewed assurance, with renewed confidence in the hope that you've given us, Lord. Let us leave here knowing that you are truly faithful through all of life's ups and downs, and that, Lord, the, the Christian life is, is far more than worth it if we trust in you. Speak to us this morning. Draw us closer to you because of your word and because of uh, our spending time here in worship and in fellowship with our other Christians. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It'll be there up there in a second. We're going to look at the first five verses. Maybe. We're ending our, well, we're ending what we started in January. This is the end of the five months of the theme on mission with God. And this week ends the, uh, the, the series on Know What's Coming. And we talked about the fact that trials were coming. We talked about the fact that failures are coming. And we talked about the fact that perse persecutions are coming. We talked about that last week. This week, and I hope we've gotten progressively more hopeful. Uh, today we're going to be uh, ultimately hopeful. Because today we need to know that one of the things that's coming is hope. What's it, what's it telling you, Jake? Just not moving. Yeah, they usually quit moving, don't they? Well, shut down easy worship and then start it up again and see if, uh, see if that does it. Technology. Um, it's great when it works. So today we're looking at, at hope and the fact that in our afflictions we can have hope. Regardless of the circumstances, whether we are looking at the, the trials of, uh, of Joseph, where we're looking at the failures of Jeremiah, or whether we're looking at the persecutions of Paul, in all of those situations, we have hope. And we're going to see that in uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Turn there, if you haven't already, and let's read. Could you find the file? It should just say May 27th. If you click the little folder at the top. Okay. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith... There we go. Now we've got to make this work. There we go. All right, we're on the ball. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Also through Him, we have obtained access, to, uh, access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. 
because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, I know sometimes I'm not as clear as I would like to be. And I imagine there are days when somebody in this building is thinking, just draw us a picture. There, I drew you a picture. Uh, this, it, these five verses create kind of a circle of hope, I guess, would be the way we would call it. If you start over here on the left-hand side, where it says salvation, the arrow goes up to peace, then grace, then hope, then we end up at affliction. But then verse 3 tells us that with our affliction we get endurance. With endurance, character. And that character brings about hope. And verse 5 says, tells us what that hope is in. That hope is in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that shows us that we have that hope. And we start the cycle all over again. See, I wish that I could tell you today that the Christian life is, is not circular like this, that it's, it's, it's linear, and that you know once we pass through persecution or affliction, then we're done with it. Whew, made it through that. But we know the reality is that, it's, that it is uh, more of a spiral than it is uh, either a circle or a line. We're, we're moving forward toward Christ, but, but we're still coming back to persecution and affliction. But then we know that we, we have endurance in the character and hope because of the Holy Spirit that gives us peace and grace and hope to take on the next affliction. And that affliction is going to give us endurance and character and so on and so forth. So I've drawn you a picture to kind of help you, and we'll come back to this. But this is, this is what I saw reading this passage this week. I was trying to figure out how to go through it, and okay, you know, how are we going to walk through this verse? And, and this was what I saw. It's just a loop. The life is a loop in Christ. That, that as hard as it gets, we're given the power to make it through it, to get us ready for that next stumble and hard spot. And then we just keep going. So let's look at it. There are eight things here on the screen that we're look at. And we're going to start at salvation. Because that's where Paul starts. In, uh, actually, in the whole book of Romans, he starts with salvation. But in the, the first part of verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith. Now, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible then you automatically need to go back to what he just talked about, whoever was writing or talking. The therefore here points us back to chapters 1 through 4. And no, I'm not going to preach all of chapters 1 through 4, nor am I going to read them. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. What has Paul been saying in these first four chapters? First thing he said was that your faith is credited as righteousness. So the fact that you believe... The fact that you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ has made you righteous before God. You are a sinner. You were a sinner condemned to hell. But faith in Christ now stands you in righteousness before God. You are no longer condemned. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us in Romans. 
So we are now credited, our faith is credited as righteousness before God. That's the first thing he tells us in those four chapters. And the second thing he tells us is that our confidence is based on the work of Christ. We don't earn our salvation. We don't earn our righteousness before God. It is given. It is based on our faith in Jesus Christ. We can be sure that we stand guiltless and righteous before God because we are basing it on what Jesus did on the cross, not what we do in our day-to-day -day lives. That frees us up to be the sinners that we are. Not for the joy of the sin, but for the understanding that we are going to sin, but we are forgiven. We still stand righteous before God because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. So that's where Paul begins. That's where he begins. He says, you have this salvation. You've been, since you've been declared righteous by faith, since you have this salvation, then we go to the next one in the circle. You have peace, he says. Uh, the second half of ver verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we've been declared righteous, since we have that salvation, we have peace. Now, peace with God tells us uh, a couple of things. That, one, we are no longer enemies with God. Jake, did it, uh, it, can you click on the, the sermon screen? It, it stopped working for me. There we go. We have peace with God. Now, what does peace with God mean? First thing peace with God means is that we are no longer God's enemy. See, prior to our salvation, we are God's enemy. Sin is God's enemy. We are, the Bible tells us, basically at war with God because we want to do our thing, and God says this is the way. We are at war. God is our enemy. But salvation creates peace with God. Peace between us and God. No longer are we his enemy. But the second thing this peace is talking about, it, it, it kind of has a dual meaning here. We have peace with God, or peace between us and God, but we also have inner tranquility, regardless of our circumstances. This is peace because we're with God. So you see the difference. You see the two kinds of peace. No longer are God and I, uh, God and I fighting. No longer are we enemies. I have peace with God. But because I am with God, I have peace. Regardless of what's going on, regardless of what Satan does or life throws at us, regardless of all that, we have peace. And then we see that it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the source and he's the mediator. There it is. Jesus is the source of our peace. He is the one where we get our peace. What's it doing? Uh, but not only is he the source of it, he is the one that goes for, before God and defends us. He is our mediator. Hebrews calls him the mediator between God and man. So he is the one that stands before God when Satan accuses and says, look what he does. Look what he did. Look what kind of sinner he is. Look at what your child is doing Jesus stands there and says, he's mine. I have declared him righteous. By his belief in me, he is righteous. 
That's the mediator. He is our, and you know, kind of sometimes a dirty word depending on, you know, at least they, they're the source of the butt of a lot of jokes. He's our lawyer. He's the one that stands in the courtroom, but not just our lawyer. He's the one that said, not only have I declared him righteous by his faith in me, I took the punishment. Now, what are you going to do with that, Satan? That's our mediator. That's what Jesus is doing. So we have peace. We can know, we can be assured that, that our future is secure, both on earth and in heaven. Follow the circle on around. He says in uh, chapter, first part of verse 2, also through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. This is the only time that Paul talks about grace as an area. You know, most of the time grace is something we receive, something God is doing. But here Paul's refer, Paul refers to grace as an area, this grace in which we stand. That area is this continual relationship with God or this continual favor from God. See, we stand, we live in, within God's control, within God's uh, uh, corral, within God's fenced yard. We are in this area of grace. This is a secure area of salvation. This is a secure area of peace that he just talked about. We don't have to worry about what is on the outside. We're affected by the outside. Well, let's, let's call it a barbed wire fence. The wind comes through the barbed wire. The rain comes through the barbed wire. But we are still protected. We are still in this area. And God says, no matter what happens, you have obtained access into this grace. And that's what we stand on. We say, you know, I am not who I want to be. I am not who God wants me to be. But I have obtained access, and I stand on the grace that says, I am saved. I am in God's hand. I am protected by God in this secure area of salvation. And then Paul tells us in that circle that it leads to hope. Romans, uh, the, the second part of verse 2, says, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, just, just a few verses before this, Paul tells the people that in Rome, the Christians in Rome, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Then he turns around and tells them in uh, chapter 5, verse 2, that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, we do fall short. We have fallen short, and we will continue to fall short. Apart from Christ, we can never know God's glory. We can never experience God's glory. But we can when we experience salvation through Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That we rejoice in the hope, in the hope of God's glory. See, we experience Paul in particular, and I didn't put this on the slide, and maybe I should have, talked about... Uh, Though he never used this phrase, the already, meaning the right now, 
and the not yet of salvation. The already, the right now of salvation is we are forgiven. Everything we've done in the past is forgiven. Everything that we'll do in the future is forgiven. And we are standing in the grace, as he said in uh, verse 2, right now through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are in God's grace at this moment. That's the already. But the not yet of salvation is the perfection of heaven. The relationship that, that we can't get right now because we see as through a glass darkly. We are separated from God by, by, by our humanity. Even though we are bound to Him by our sal through our salvation, we're separated by our humanity. We can't be with God right now. But someday we will. We can't know God's glory. We know what happened to Moses when he was standing in the crook of the rock and just saw a glimpse of God's glory and he came down off the mountain, his hair had turned white and he glowed because he had been in the presence of God. And he just caught a fleeting glimpse. We can't be in God's glory right now, but someday we will. Salvation provides that. So we will rejoice today in the hope of God's glory. Now what is hope? Hope is not, I hope I win the lottery. Hope is not, I hope he asks me out, or she asks me out, or I hope thing turn, things turn out good. Hope is confident expectation. That is the biblical definition of hope. Now, we have, we have taken that word and we've messed it up in English. Because we do use it all these ways. When we say, I wish when we mean, I wish something would happen, we say, I hope it happens. But that's not the word. The word is assurance. We have hope in Christ. Why is that not wishing? Because faith in Jesus Christ is not wishful thinking. Faith in Jesus Christ is, boy, it'll sure be nice if, if, if it works out the way Jesus said it is. It would sure be nice, man, it'd be great if Jesus can take my sins. No, no, no. We have hope, confident expectation that Jesus Christ can take our sins. Confident expectation that one day we will live with God forever. Confident expectation that I stand before God right now, today, in all my sinfulness, in all my humanity, I stand before God righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's hope. That's assurance. Blessed assurance that we sang about. My hope is in the name of the Lord. Is the name of the Lord something weak that we wish on like a star? or a lottery number, then we should, need, should sing, my wish is in the name of the Lord. But that is not the power that we have put our faith in. We hope in the name of the Lord because we know without a doubt that what God has promised, God will do. And as we move forward, we rejoice in this hope of God's glory. We have this confident expectation that one day we will experience in full God's glory if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then we, as we move forward, as we are obedient to Christ, and as we overcome, then we reflect God's glory. People see God in us. As we go through affliction and we... The word says, we, I have up there, we overcome. 
We overcome what? Well, that's, we've moved over to the right side now. We overcome affliction. Romans 5.3 And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Remember last week, Paul said that you will be persecuted. Know it's coming. Now Paul says, much earlier, Romans was written good ways before 2 Timothy. Paul is saying, not only will you be persecuted, not only will times get tough, not only will you experience affliction, but rejoice in our afflictions. Paul, you must be mad. Because there is no way in the afflictions of life, in the suffering of persecution, when people are, are mocking and, and, and persecuting us for our salvation, and when we suffer pain, when we are hurting physically, when there is no cure, when, when we can't fix what ails us, or even if we can, but we still have to go through the pain, God, Paul, there's no way to rejoice in that when we lose. We live a delicate life, and there is loss, and there is hurt, and there is pain, and there is suffering. And Paul says, rejoice in those afflictions. Rejoice in those afflictions. And he's not talking about here some stoic determination. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tough. I can take this. I can do this. I've had at lengthy conversations about the verse in the Bible that's not in the Bible that says, God will never give you more than you can handle. You know, that, that's, that's a favorite phrase. That's not in the Bible. People often confuse that saying with the verse in the Bible that says that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear, but in the temptation, God will provide a way out. See, that's there. But never does the Bible say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Because the reality is, we do get much more than we can handle. But you know what? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in a sense, the saying is true. We will never get more than we can handle because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The reality is that it's God doing that through us. It's not by our strength. So just because you set your mind and you set your jaw and you're going to get through this, no, you probably aren't. Because you can't handle it. Stoic, this determination, this hard-headedness won't get you there. But your faith in Christ will. And then you have this true joy. This uh, true joy that we suffer as Christ suffered. Count it all joy when you suffer. Why? Well... Because Jesus said, I'm willing to go through the most extreme pain, the most extreme humiliation, the most extreme separation that's possible for the Son of God, the, the second person of the Trinity, to be separated from the first person in the Trinity. However that worked, Jesus went through it for you and me.
and then says, now, is your suffering so much different from mine? More, more to the point, why, why should I suffer, Jesus says, and, and, and what, no, let me say it a different way. You see how I suffered. You see how the world treated me. How do you expect it to treat you? So the suffering is real, but the joy we can have through our suffering is just as real. But see, Paul's good, you know, because he had that whole Holy Spirit thing telling him what to write. He didn't just leave it there and say, rejoice in suffering, the end, talk to you later. Eh, no, he kept going. Because in affliction, the reason we rejoice in our afflictions is because, the, ha the next half, because we know that affliction produces endurance. This endurance, this is uh, patience, steadfastness, fortitude, perseverance, whatever word you want to use, these all work. This is that determination. But it's not our personal determination. This, this affliction produces this endurance through our relationship with Jesus Christ, through our trust, and through our hope in Him. And this sentence is a little convoluted, but it, it, said, the way, it said it the way I wanted it, it to. Every day successfully persevered is a day of, of successfully learned perseverance. That's a long way of saying one day at a time. And yeah, that, again, is one of those pat phrases, and it's, it, it doesn't really do a whole lot to make you feel good. But the reality is that the affliction, whatever the affliction, was hard yesterday. But here you stand at today. Now today the affliction may be hard again. But tomorrow, that's one more day you made it through. And today, maybe it's a good day. Maybe it's a bad day. But tomorrow, that's one more day you made it through. Your, your, your affliction, your ability to face the suffering with joy is producing in you the ability to endure. But not just your own endurance. Don't, I'm not telling you that you're training some muscle that now after a few years or a few months or whatever, you can tell God, thanks, I got it now. This is endurance that comes through your faith in Him. So this endurance is produced by the affliction. We know that affliction produces endurance. But, but there's more to it. See, remember the circle up there. The next thing, verse 4, endurance prov produces proven character. Now this character, the word Paul uses, it looks like Paul made up a word here. Uh, because they can't find it anywhere else in, in, in this time frame in any of the other writings. But it's a word that is gold tested by fire. That's, that's the image that Paul's creating with this new word he coined. Gold tested by fire. See, this is the Christian being matured. 
This is God working on your life to make you a more Christ-like Christian. Improving your attitude. Improving your character. See, gold, when you first take it out of the ground, somewhere in that lump is great value. But to get that lump from just out of the ground with the dirt and all the impurities takes testing by fire. The smelter, he, he melts it and skims it and melts it and skims it and melts it and skims it until he has this purified product that is far more valuable than what was taken out of the ground. Began with something, in, in, in a sense, okay, and we'd all love to have that lump of gold, but that will never get us anywhere until we could get it down and purified. And the Christian walk is the same way. When we accept Christ, Jesus pulls this, this lump of gold from the rubble that we have made of our lives, from the, the pain and the hurt and, and the, the, the mess that we have created. Jesus pulls it out, and says, now, let's make something great out of this. And so, he gives us peace. He gives us grace. And he gives us hope. So that then he can take us through the time of testing. He can take us through this affliction. And begin to purify us. By pr producing in us endurance that creates character. He purifies that gold, and he gets some of the dross off. And then we see in the next one that character produces hope. 5-4, and that should be 5-4-B, the other half. And proven character produces hope. Remember that hope is confidence. Confidence that God is able and willing to bring us through affliction. So he's got this lump of gold, and we've get, we're given peace, and we're given grace, and we're given hope to prepare us for this affliction. And this affliction begins the endurance process where we are melted and smelted, and the dross is skimmed off, and we are, uh, our character is improved. We are matured as a Christian because, so that, we get to where we have more hope. Because ask the person who has made it through the affliction about their hope in Jesus Christ. Ask the person who looks back and says, yes, I went through that, I did that. In some ways, though I can never completely understand what you're going through, I do know what's happening and I've come through. And they now have a greater hope in Christ than they had before the affliction. And you know what? They may be getting ready to make that circle again and come back to affliction. But we have confidence that God is able. And He is not just able, but He is willing to bring us through whatever affliction, whatever fire we are going through in order to purify us. And then as we move back to, the back to the beginning of the circle where it said uh, salvation 
We also have there the Holy Spirit. Understand, we are not saved apart from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us. So that's the beginning of our salvation. But then once we make the circle and come back from uh, endurance and character and hope again, what is our hope in? Verse 5. This hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Why does the hope not disappoint? Because we believe it? No. Because we worked for it? No. Because we earned it? No. Because we, we exercised our determination muscle by going through these afflictions? No. Our hope does not disappoint because God. He, Paul could have stopped there, and I understand why he didn't, because that would have made an awkward sentence. But he could have stopped there and just said, this hope does not disappoint because God. But he keeps going. More importantly, God's love has been poured out in our hearts. How do we get that? The Holy Spirit who was given to us. Our hope does not disappoint because we have the Holy Spirit. Back to salvation. We get the Holy Spirit at salvation. Salvation draws us. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit draws us. We ask Christ into our hearts. We give Him our lives. The Holy Spirit is the seal. The Holy Spirit is the, the, the marker, the, the, the get-out-of-hell card that we have on our lives. That's the, that's the mark. That proves it. That pres preserves us. But then once we have gone through this circle and we come through the affliction, and we're going, God, where are you in this? We have hope because of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And what does the Holy Spirit do for us? Well, we've already said the Holy Spirit leads us to salvation. The Holy Spirit, we're told, also prays for us when we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we're going through these circumstances, when all we can do, we can't even cry out, all we can do is cry. The Holy Spirit comforts. The Holy Spirit teaches us when there are things that we don't understand, the Holy Spirit gives understanding. The Holy Spirit guides us when we don't know the step to take, when we're saying, God, I do not know where to go here. I don't know how to handle this. The Holy Spirit guides us through it. And the Holy Spirit convinces us of God's love. When there are days that we are standing there saying, God, in this affliction, in this suffering, there is no way you can love me because if you did, you would not do this to me. The Holy Spirit says, I love you. He loves you. You are loved. You can get through this. You will get through this. And you will understand what it is to hope in ways that you haven't yet. And you will be used by me, he says. See, we, we, don't, we don't know why we go through what we go through. Chances are, most of us will never understand this side of heaven. Why? We had to suffer the way we did. But if we are on this circle... 
if we are determined, you know, here's the determination, if our faith is such that we choose daily not to give up, not to turn away, not turn back, but know the promise that through my affliction I get endurance, and my, this endurance will build character, and that character will produce hope in me of the Holy Spirit and the salvation that I have. If we're doing that daily, people see it. We will be an influence. We will be a witness in ways that we can never imagine. Now maybe you're thinking, how does this tie up the, the, this whole five-month theme that you've been talking about on mission with God? Every one of us has a story. Now, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what roads that story has taken you down. But every one of us has a story. Every one of us has a circle like this in our lives. And every one of us is in a different spot. Every one of us is... is waiting ultimately for that hope from the Holy Spirit. That hope that says it's all worth it. If we are to be a people on mission for God, one, we have to understand that there will be persecution. There will be affliction. There will be suffering. But then we have to understand how we as Christians will handle that persecution and that suffering. Because if we are at the hope stage, or maybe we're at the character or maybe we're just trying to endure right now. The world will see it. And they will understand eventually. They have something different. Why did they not crack under this? Why did they not, as Job's wife told Job, curse God and die? Man, your life stinks too bad. Just get it over with. Why not? Because they had confident assurance, hope that this momentary affliction is going to do something in me and in the lives of the people around me. So First Baptist, as we move to be on mission with God, we will suffer affliction. We will suffer persecution individually and corporately as a church. When we go to these places that we're talking about going, we will be persecuted. We will be afflicted. But how will we handle that? Will we say, oh, well, no, can't go because they don't like us. Or will we say, you know what, I, I'm, I know how you, I understand, I'm sorry, but I have a message that's greater than any affliction, any persecution you can give me. I have the message of salvation. And they will see that over time. So what is your hope today? If your hope is in what you can do, then, then it's not going to work. If your determination is your own, you're not going to make it. If you're convinced that somehow you can make it to heaven, you can make God happy by your own efforts, you're wrong. See, we have hope for all time, not just in persecution. But through Jesus Christ, we have hope for eternity. How do you have that hope? 
Just a, an understanding that I am not who God wants me to be. Admit that you're a sinner. I have broken God's law. I know that. We believe. Believe what? Believe Jesus Christ. What we talked about, uh, what uh, Paul talked about in the first chapter, four chapters of Romans, that we have faith, we can have faith in Jesus Christ, be declared righteous by that faith, and that our confidence is in Him. Believe that Jesus is who He said He is. That He died on the cross to take your sins. That He rose three days later to prove to you the hope that we have for the, for the glory one day of being with God. And that we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That being a, a, a wellspring of what's going on in our heart. The admitting doesn't save you. The confessing doesn't save you. The believing saves you. Not the doing. Not the working. Not the acting. But the believing. And that's how you can have hope for all time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that we can have true hope. That we can have hope today, the already through our afflictions, through our sufferings, we can have the confident assurance that you are with us. And that, yes, as you say later on, as you told Paul to say later on in Romans, that all things work together for good for those who love you. And we, we know that that oftentimes is not, it doesn't help right now, but we know it will. But God, you've got it in your hand. But we also have the hope for all time through your Son, Jesus Christ, the salvation that we can have today if we'll just believe, if we'll just accept it. God, if we will just turn to you and say, I can't do it anymore, and give you our hearts, we can have hope for all time. Lord, move in us today. Speak to our spirits through your Holy Spirit. And draw us to you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if the Holy Spirit's working, He's leading you to do something. Accept Christ for the first time today. Maybe He's leading you to be baptized. You accepted Christ, but you've never been baptized. Maybe He wants you to join First Baptist. Be a part of what's going on here. Be committed to what's going on here. Maybe you're a member and you need to be more committed to the ministry and the missions that are coming as a part of First Baptist. Whatever God is working on you today, share it with us. I'll be down here front if you'd like to come and pray or if you'd like to share on your connection card the things God is doing in you today. We want to hear about it and we want to celebrate with you. So let's stand as Mike and Etta lead us in our, our, our hymn of, of uh, response. Respond to God. He's calling you today. <laughs>